Hey, it's Caitlin. Hey, it's Abigail. Welcome Welcome to to The Gutsy Gutsy Truth. We're here to break down barriers of what's considered normal in health, wellness, relationships, and work. We're so excited that you're here with us. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gutsy Truth Podcast. I'm like just overflowing with joy right now because (laughs) not only am I here with my amazing co-host, Abigail, but I'm so excited because I have my best friend, Nairi, who's here with us and she is our guest. And so I basically have two of my best friends in the same room talking together and I'm just so thrilled because I love them so much and I feel like they have so many wonderful things that they can share with you today. So I am just so excited that this is happening. <laughs> Yay! I know. Um, if there was like live video of this, y'all, Caitlin's freaking out right now. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome to see my two friends, um, you know, together. We're states apart, but I'm um, mm-hmm. here um, virtually and just so excited to dive in today. Um, and Nairi has some beautiful things to share with us. Um, so Nairi, yeah, thanks can for you having me. tell us who you are other than, you know, my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> tell us who you are. Yes. So um, thank you for the introduction. It's an honor to be here. Um, so my name is Nairi. I was born and raised on the central coast of California. Um If you've listened to Caitlin's episode, uh, the first episode in her story, similar upbringings, really small town. Um, I went to school at UC Berkeley and then USC. I've traveled all over for work through both of those towns and across the world to the Middle East and now back to California, somehow found my way back home uh, where it all started and um, I am a project manager for a land developer. That's kind of my day job. And more recently, just over a year ago, I started what I call my passion work, which is um, working with uh, women um, in the movement sphere is what I call it. So better known as exercise. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's a, a quick intro, but <laughs> we'll get us started. Yes. I, I feel like so much of our friendship. So Nairi and I have literally been friends since childhood, like grew up yeah. three doors down the road. And I feel like so many of my memories of us is like you running down to my house and you're like, Caitlin, let's go on a hike. Let's go do this. Yes. Like movement has been just a huge part of your life. And so it's been really, really fun to see how, as you said, now it's become your passion work, um, that you've been able to really dive in to, um, inspiring women to, to move their bodies. So tell us, tell us what, what that journey has looked like. Um, what brought you to really pursue that career in, um, personal training and movement? Like what, what, what sparked all that? Yeah. Um, so interesting story. I think a lot of times when you find your purpose, so to speak, or something that's really meaningful to you, it's oftentimes rooted in, pain, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, whether you like it or not. And so, um, many years ago, um, I had a lot of kind of difficult things come up, including, um, like health problems within my family, uh, that were really just challenging on all fronts. And so unfortunately at, um, the start of 2020, right before COVID really hit, uh, in terms of the lockdown, I lost my father. And when he passed away, Um, although it wasn't a surprise, it was still very difficult. And I think an element of it not being a surprise is that you're sort of grieving this person while they're still alive. 
um, which is, it's kind of a really odd place to be at a, it's, it's hard to deal with. Um, and so after he passed away, literally the day after his funeral was when the lockdown went into effect here in California. And so now you've had this massive life transformation and shift, and then you're also locked in your home with mm-hmm. like not much distraction. In one way, the positive is that you don't have to go back to work right away. A lot of those responsibilities of going to the office, interfacing with people that can be really hard to do in a time of grief, it wasn't there. So that's kind of like a the positive of it. I think the negative of it is that some of that stuff can be a really healthy distraction. And so being alone in your home, really with just your thoughts and feeling this like, just this like, like tangible absence is extremely difficult. And so at that time, um, you know, I had been a movement person regularly, like you said, Caitlin, we would go on hikes and runs and just trying different things, cycle classes or whatever it is, um, Pilates, bar, which I know that you're a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I started really exploring things that I um, was familiar with and not not familiar with. And one of them was running. Um, I felt like I, there was no way I was going to survive losing my dad. Like that to me was crystal clear. And so during that time, I felt like, what's a goal I could set that I know I know I can't do? I know it sounds really funny to say, but for me, like I would always say, I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner pay me a million dollars to run one mile without stopping. I'm not sure if I can do it. <laughs> My husband's probably like, run that mile. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. So, so I set the goal of running a half marathon. And it had actually kind of been on the back burner in my mind for a long time of like this, there, there's this one thing that I just, I feel like I can't do it. So I, I always thought one day I'm going to do this. I'm going to run a half marathon. So it's COVID, it's the lockdown, I lost my dad, and I'm like, I'm going to start training for a half marathon. So I had somebody help me in terms of planning out the miles and how to just the baby steps of starting to run, which is so different from what I ever thought. You think you just you go out there and you start running. It's like, no, half the time you're running much too fast and much too far and too frequently. So I learned quite a bit. I read a few interesting books. I'll plug this one really quick. It's called Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. Amazing. Um, just learning about the running world. And so I trained for, um, call it about four or five months, I think around four. And in August of 2020, I ran my half marathon. And of course, there were no races at that time. It was COVID. It was the lockdown. So I was just behind Cal Poly in the canyon running the loop and then running some more until my phone said 13.1 miles. <laughs> and it was the best feeling on earth. Um, you, there's the runner's high, there's the endorphins, there's the emotions, but it sort of opened this part of my mind that I've never accessed before that made me stop and say like, what else can I do? That was like a pivotal turning point for me. So, um, lo and behold, time goes on and January of the following year. So my dad passed away in March of 2020 and January of 2021, um, my grandma, his mother passed away and she was much older, I think 97 years old. Um, so yes, it's not a surprise, but still difficult as well. And what made it more difficult is that with COVID and her being in a care home, we were not able to see her. And I actually stopped by to see her the the day that my dad passed away. So in a way it's like, I kind of said goodbye to both of them on the same day. 
So that was really difficult to process mentally. And, um, but I sort of had this wake up moment because around that same time, my brother had announced, um, that they were, sorry, they didn't announce it, but they had their first child. And it was this like amazing, like source of happiness in the family, just this like huge dose of good news. Mm -hmm. Right. But for me, it was this massive juxtaposition. When you stand back, you see like, here's a new life being introduced and everyone's so excited. And then here's like the loss of two major players, major characters, like leaders in our family Mm -hmm. within a year of each other. And so just this like passage of time and um, sort of these like themes of life were really going through my head. And I thought, you know, juxtaposed to the baby's news where every week you're learning about how much longer they are and how much they weigh and what they ate and what they're doing. And, um, you know, she smiled for the first time and that sort of thing. But with death, nobody talks about it. I even said it quietly. See, I haven't talked about this stuff in a little bit. Nobody talks about death. Right. They just don't. It's taboo. Um, and ironically, every single person in this world is going to go through death or grief. Not everybody will have a child, but everybody will experience the death of a loved one. It could be a family member, a friend, a neighbor, you know, in a pet, you know, everyone's going to experience it. It's inevitable. And for me, it was this moment, the day my grandma died, I thought, here we are in a world where everyone is connected by one singular thing, which is death and grief and living with it, but nobody's talking about it. And for me, I had recently been thinking like, wow, movement has helped me move through my grief so much. And I'm so passionate about it. I'm constantly like wanting to get better, learning about the body, learning about this and that. And And in those movement sessions that I had, I had somebody who was like a listening ear and I was talking about grief and it was really helping me process things. And I thought, I want to do that for other people. And I want to do it specifically for women um, for multiple reasons, which we can get into later if we want. But it, it was just this aha moment of like, here's what I want to do, which is essentially ease the suffering of other people in the realm of grief and the hardships of life. And here's how I'm going to do it, which is fitness. And it just, it was like this light bulb moment. Like the two came together. And I had been thinking for a while within that year, like, oh, I want to volunteer somewhere. I want to like help people give back. And I tried a few things and nothing was really speaking to me, um, you know, plugging into existing organizations or other people's passions. And then all of a sudden it just hit me that day of like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And so immediately I went and I signed up to get certified to be a personal trainer. I studied for two months, passed it, and just immediately took off. Wow. I'm like, my heart is like swelling with pride (laughs) (laughs) because I'm so proud of what you've been able to do. But I also was very close to your dad and I know how of a like strong man he was and just how he's like still continues to inspire you today with what you're doing. So I'm getting choked up just talking about it because it's it's so beautiful how you've, again, kind of repeating what you said before, like you took your pain and now it's, you know, now you're walking into your purpose with what you're doing with it. And I think it's also just a really beautiful approach to exercise, you know, like it's not, exercise doesn't have to be, or, or movement doesn't have to be, oh, because I want to lose, lose five pounds or 10 pounds or reach a certain goal. It, it can be so much more powerful than that. Oh, Absolutely. And on that note, I find, so 
in terms of my clientele, they are all women. And um, some people are with me for weight loss issues or goals, I should say. Some people are with me for um, mental health goals. Like it's, I have people who have recently gone through surgery. So it's more of like a rehab approach or like, um, like a, um, like a supplement to their physical therapist. So there's a whole spectrum of people and reasons why someone's working with me. But what I've noticed is that regardless of their goal, there's an element of talking, moving your body, being outside in the elements, which is part of my philosophy I'll tell you about in a second. And it's sort of this theme that everybody shares. If someone is wanting to lose X amount of weight, there's usually an emotional and mental component behind them that's stalled them so far, or there's a reason why they gained that weight in the first place. Similarly, from the mental health perspective, someone's been um, struggling with depression for years, or maybe it's anxiety or whatever it might be. And usually there's a life event that sort of was the catalyst for that or something that they didn't realize And my whole approach is like, you can talk to me, like, talk to me, talk it out. And I don't necessarily advise or respond to everything, but I think it's so important for people to have an outlet and a listening ear, Mm -hmm. like just, just someone who's going to empathize and compassionately accept them for exactly who they are, exactly what they say. And like, let them feel their feelings. That's so important to me. So someone's crying. I never say like, oh, don't cry. It's okay. I'm like, yeah. That sounds really hard. I can only imagine I would be sad too. And you just see, you just see the other person like go, oh wow. Like they just take an exhale naturally, not forced. And you just see them like, just calm down. And I think, I think through the hardest part of my grief journey so far, and it's still going, is that some people are really good listeners And they're very comfortable with you talking about the hardest parts of your life and other people are not. And that's fine. But I think if you are, it it made such an impact for me when I encountered somebody like that, that I feel like go and listen to as many people as you can, like be that person for other people because we like the world needs it. People are walking around with so much pain and so many hidden stories, right? It's like, which is hello. Like it's an, it gives me goosebumps. (laughs) It really does. Like it's, it's such an honor to be here because both of you are saying like, well, hello, hi, it's me. This is my story. Like go ahead and listen and see if you relate and let's talk about it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, especially the past two years of the world, like Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, the, the, the numbers coming out with people struggling with depression and anxiety are through the roof and who has it. And I love that you mentioned, you know, with my own journey with anxiety, I started seeing a counselor a little over a year ago and like I said on my story, like when she told me, she's like, oh my gosh, you've gone through a lot. You have every reason to feel that way. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. Even though I had wonderful, wonderful people in my life, like listening very well, but no one had said those words. And like you just said, mm-hmm. that's hard. You have the right to feel that way. And that was like the biggest weight lifted off my shoulders. When I heard mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> like, let's talk about yeah. this more. And so totally. it's just, Like, I feel like if you can approach, and I love that mindset you have with that approach, if someone's needing to, to have an outlet, approach it with going, validating them, that is hard. And you have every right to feel those feelings and let's work through them together. And that's just, uh, that's just beautiful. And I wish more people would view it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So I pulled this up earlier because it says I found a statistic because seriously, it blows my mind in terms of like 
just how many people are going through hard times, but nobody's talking about it. And it says about approximately 2.5 million people die in the United States annually. And with each death, they leave an average of five grieving people behind. So that is 10 million grieving people a year. (laughs) Math is not my strong suit, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally fine. Not Um, us either. But yes. can, Can you imagine like, and that with grief comes what? Like depression, anxiety, nervousness, whatever it might be. And that's just grief. What about people who are experiencing like a different type of grief that's not related to death, right? So just any form of hardship, everybody's going through something. That's like the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah, and it's true. And, you know, that, you know, when people don't talk about death, it's, you know, oh, they, they pass away, you have the funeral, and then you kind of are expected to move on from life. And it's like, here's your, right. here's your three days of bereavement from work, and now we expect you to come back. And it's like, yeah. your world has been completely transformed. Right. You know? Yeah. Also, <laughs> 12.5 million people for everyone listening. <laughs> Very embarrassing. <laughs> Our passions don't lie in math. math. They lie in people and just living a healthier life. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, but that's a good point. And so I was listening to Abigail's episode recently. And what's interesting about what you just said, Caitlin, and what you said, Abigail, in your episode is you were like, oh, mine wasn't necessarily what you thought as like postpartum because it wasn't immediately after, but almost like three years after your right. daughter was born. Right. And that's the thing is these things don't have timelines mm-hmm. and maybe something doesn't hit you until later. Or maybe like you said, it's like slowly building. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you go, I don't feel good or I don't recognize myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing. People talk about early grief versus grief, you know, five years down. Mm -hmm. Grief doesn't necessarily get smaller. I think your life kind of grows around it, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's not there. And it doesn't mean that it gets easier. It's going to come and poke you at like the most unexpected turns. You might be in the happiest place experiencing the best news. And all of a sudden you're like sobbing because that person isn't there for you to share that news with, or maybe whatever it is, something reminds you about them, or somebody mentions a story about them at a time when you were in the place to hear that. And it just sort of sets you off. So I think compassion in the sense of not just what the person's going through, but sort of destigmatizing the idea that you're supposed to move through the five steps of grief. And if you haven't really made progress by this point of time, then we're going to prescribe you antidepressants. Mm. When did that become normal? Like you guys have both talked about the pill. When did it become normal to just throw the pill, throw antidepressants at people left and right? Like, why don't we stop and say like, hey, how are you sleeping? When's the last time you moved your body? When's the last time you got direct sunlight on your skin? Right. Mm -hmm. Now, like, I mean, there's, um, there's like a whole world of avenues to explore prior to turning to medicine as a quick fix because those medicines they fix one thing but they start yeah they're just band-aids they're not getting to the root issue and with grief and anything else one size doesn't fit all you know exactly Exactly. and what might work for someone isn't going to work for you and and it's yeah we've kind of just like created the standardized okay if you don't fit in this little box then therefore Mm -hmm. you know something's wrong with you or, you know, we're just going to follow this prescribed option because that's what we do for everyone. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I heard, I was listening to a podcast, I think it was, um, the gutsy mom podcast and Mm -hmm. she had a person on there talking about emotions and how to process an emotion. And something they talked about was so fascinating to me is that 
for your body to fully process any emotion, if you let it take control and process 90 to 100 seconds max, so it's like a minute and a half. If you really wow. let that emotion process, so say you feel sadness, most people, mm-hmm. and, it, and I think especially right now related to this topic of grief, you feel sad. Yes, there's in the immediate, you lose a loved one and you do the funeral and there's a lot of sadness happening. But then at the same time, you're pushing it down. You're pushing it down because you need to be brave for somebody else or you're trying to like, okay, well, now I got to get back to work or now I got to go do this and move on with my life. And you push it down. You don't let it fully process. But the the woman on the podcast um, was talking about like, if you just let yourself feel that for that full 90 seconds to like minute and a half to two minutes, it will significantly shorten your time of how learning how to then take the next step in life. And so it's almost mm-hmm. like, it's okay to feel those feelings. Just let yeah. them happen. And she was talking about how yeah. like, she has a moment of sadness. She just sits in her cars and cries for two minutes. And then she's like, mm-hmm. Ooh, I feel better. I'm still sad, but I'm not holding that strong, raw emotion anymore. And that you can like, then take that next breath and keep moving. And it just gets a little bit easier over time. Of course there's, you know, it takes everyone their own timeline. But I was like, can you imagine if you just let that happen? I'm just sitting in my office. I'm just going to cry for two minutes and then I'm going to feel better and we're going to take the next step. <laughs> uh, come Monday, Abigail's crying in her office. Yeah, basically, yeah. So it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's so much um, power in that and so much value. I'll tell you this, like recently there's a lady I was working with. I remember we were in the middle of push-ups, and I could tell she was crying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sit there for a moment and you're observing and you think like, well, do they know that I know they're crying? Do they think that I can't tell? And part of me is like, I, there, that's a transformation that's happening. You're in the middle of push-ups. Everyone knows push-ups are not the fun. easiest thing to do. <laughs> and you're, you're crying. And so for me, I was like, well, this is a huge moment to witness because this is like, I'm watching growth. Mm-hmm. You are crying while pushing your body and you still have several reps to do and they're going to be hard. And like, how can I help this person? I don't want to say like, oh, it's okay. Do you need to stop? Do you need to take a break? Like that's transformation is happening in front of me. And that's the coolest part of my job is I get to witness that time and time again. And so like letting that person have that moment and sort of trying to gauge, like, should I provide some encouraging words? Like, how should I go about it? And I think over time, And this is like advice I would give to people on the other side, like watching somebody having a hard time or you notice somebody's, you know, crying or whatever it is in a bathroom stall, in the office, in their car, you know, like just um, I think just like taking a deep breath and recognizing like it's necessary, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to make the uncomfortable part of it stop. Right. Um, just like kind of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and normalizing it would actually be so helpful. So yeah, that reminded me of that story. Well, and I feel like half of the reason why we feel the need to like keep our emotions in or like we is because we're not, like, we're not comfortable doing that ourselves or we right. don't want other people to feel uncomfortable around us because now we started crying and they don't know what to do themselves. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. and so, yeah, I think, I think it's beautiful that you're approaching this at much more than just, you know, here's, here's these, you know, five different exercises we're going to do today just because I came up with them and that's all we're going to talk about is do those exercises. Are you at the same rate that you were last time you did it? Or are you better? You proved, you know, and and just kind of end it there. You have such a deeper level of um, growth and perseverance that you're, that you're creating with your clients with this approach. Mm -hmm. 
So at the beginning of every session, I will ask, how are you doing? And my clients know that it means, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Not like, are you sore? Not what did you do since last time I saw you? Not what did you eat for dinner? It's how are you doing? And then once they give me an honest answer, we go into like, how are, how's your body feeling? So that I know how to gauge the workout for that day. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, so it's really like a comprehensive approach. It's not just physical. Even if the goal is weight loss, it's not just physical. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I feel like um, I imagine you don't take the word, oh, um, I'm feeling fine as an option. <laughs> you know, I think you probably dig a lot deeper into that as well. Yep. And I think that's something that we've normalized just saying, how you doing? Oh, we're fine. Yay. It's like, mm -hmm. that is <laughs> such. And deep down, you're like a hot mess of everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm always saying, I'm like, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. You know, I'm going to wait for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah. love that. So I guess talk us through what is, what does that look like to be a client with yours? How do you, what is, how do you, you know, create those sessions for them? What does that journey look like? Yeah. So at the beginning of every journey with each person, I will do an assessment and I like to do it in person. Um, but of course, virtually as well, um, if needed. But what, it, what I go through is essentially a list of goals and it's a pre-written list that I don't send to them to fill out. I will fill it out on my end and I will ask them the questions because it's kind of like what we're doing now. I want to have that back and forth conversation. If you tell me your goal is this and it's two words on paper, but if you're describing it to me, I start picking up a lot more. Mm -hmm. And so I really get to know like why you're there. And um, it's so much more than just the losing 30 pounds or I want to feel better, yeah, right? You right. learn something about the person. And so- we go through this goal questionnaire first together and there's things like, um, you know, I, I love the last question. It says like, what do you identify as the three obstacles to achieving your goals? And then we come up with a plan to prepare for those. Um, so that's the first part. And then we go through what's called a dynamic postural assessment. It's just three quick little assessments posturally to check for muscular imbalances. So of course, like there's also the, you know, the black and white part of movement is for me watching and making sure that exercise is being performed um, correctly and safely and to correct for muscular imbalances. We don't want to build muscle on an imbalanced foundation and cause more problems later on down the road. So um, that's what it looks like. And then we just start our first session and everyone's always so nervous. But my whole thing is like the movement should not be so hard that you are nervous or worried about coming back next time. I There's like three elements that I'll include in a workout. And one, it's something I know you're good at. It does not hurt to let someone like build their confidence. Mm -hmm. Something I know that you want to work on that you've told me you want to get better at. And then something I know that you're not very good on and that you don't like to do. Mm -hmm. And that's always the shortest part of it. Mm -hmm. But it's I what I'll do is if someone hates pushups, I'm like, okay, we're gonna do two pushups three times throughout the hour. Yeah. Just two. And they're gonna knock out two. And assuming they can do two. And it's it's it, the idea is to have it be achievable and attainable mm -hmm. so that what they have dreaded and hated is now something that they're doing, but they're doing it in these micro doses. And so it's building the confidence of that you can do it. I hated running, but when I worked with my coach. He had me running 20 minutes at a time and yeah. it was like 90 seconds of walking, 60 seconds of running those intervals. It was so little that I could do it. And that somehow turned into 13 miles. So my idea is instead of telling them that I just program it that way. And then yeah. they slowly start to be able to do things they couldn't, they thought they couldn't do. Mm -hmm. 
And then now you're sort of, <laughs> you're like watching this awesome transformation that people are like, I could never do that. And then one day they're doing it and they're like, oh my gosh, I just did that. It's the coolest thing to witness. That's so, so that's amazing. how I try to structure things. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And that's so true. I think you can apply that to life in general, not just movement or exercise. It's like, there's something that everyone's nervous to tackle in life. Right. But if you can do it in like, you know, like you said, like those two push-ups or like that 60 seconds of running, you know, you're like, okay, I can do this for a minute. And then I'll just, and then before you know it, you can do something or push through it for five minutes or 10 minutes. You're like, oh, this is nothing now. I remember when 60 seconds seemed daunting, you yeah. know, and then, yeah, you just move. And I love that. I think that's such a great approach. Yeah. So talk to us about, cause I feel like you've been very purposeful in using the word movement versus yeah. exercise. So talk mm -hmm. us through that. Yeah. So I think, um, similar with death, grief, all these words that people don't really like to throw around exercise often has like a negative connotation to it. It's, oh, I have to go work out or I, I have to go exercise. Well, really, it's just moving your body. And oftentimes when people say, I need to exercise, they're usually referring to something they haven't done in a while because they don't want to do it. But lo and behold, maybe they're hiking five days a week. Mm -hmm. That's exercising. You're just not putting it in that category because of what's associated with that label. So for me, it's like, let's come, come meet me. Let's move your body. Let's have a little chat, get some sunlight, hang out, and then come see me again later in the week. That it, it's just kind of taking the pressure off of things that don't need to be so big and difficult, yeah. just normalizing these things. So it's, for me, it's movement and it's not diet. It's just fueling your body to feel better. Mm -hmm. How, like, what can I eat to help me do two push-ups better next time, you yeah. know, like what, what's going to help me. I always say that at the end with my, my weight loss people, it's like, what can you eat after working so hard in this session with me? That's going to help you to do better next time and help you to feel better. And when you frame it that way, it's like, oh, it's fuel. Like what I put in is how this machine, this body is going to work next time. Right. So it's just sort of like reframing these things that have become so negative in the media and just overemphasize, overemphasized in the wrong ways. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's movement. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that kind of simplifies it because I feel like mm -hmm. when you hear exercise, you're like, okay, that means I have to go to a gym or I have to have all this equipment or I have to do, you know, an hour, you know, five days a week. And it, it just, again, I think it overcomplicates things um, just because yeah. of people just try to make money out of this gym or, you know, this program right. or whatever. Right. Um, at yeah. the end of the day, it's just, you just got to move. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you this, like when I, when I launched this business, I had several local gyms offer for me to come and teach a group class there. And for me, like it, and you, there's a lot of money to be made in those things, getting paid by head and on top of that hourly or whatever it is. But for me, it's so important to have an individualized approach. And I, I actually do not want to take my clients into a gym. My whole approach is to be outdoors in the elements. Um, maybe we're at a park and people are walking by with their dogs and we're there at the same time on the same day every week. And now it's like, oh, hey, so-and-so. And oh, hey, play with their dog. And it's just this feeling of community and sort of just taking it all out of the gym. And um, that's exactly right, Keelan, what you said about what it has been considered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like mindset has been a huge part of your personal journey with grief and then your approach to working with your clients. So, you know, what, what do you, how do you encourage your, your clients to, you know, 
have a routine and stay consistent with their program with you? Yeah. Um, so mindset's really important. If somebody's really nervous, I will just take it week by week. I'll say, let's commit to two days this week. And then by the end of the week, let's regroup for the following week. So just putting it into like digestible chunks, right? So it's not this like six month program. If somebody's gung ho on a six month program, then we go straight into that. But it's just giving sort of presenting to people what they can process at a time. I don't, you know, and it's just baby steps of the journey. And I don't mind sticking in this step one with you. I know what step 15 is going to be, but we don't have to like, we don't have to outline that whole thing right now if you don't want to. So that's part of the mindset um, is sort of just looking at the week ahead um, for the, for if, if somebody is needing that. But also I always tell people a lot of it is like, and you'll, you'll see this on Instagram a lot, but it's true. Um, it's really about discipline, not motivation. Um, just if like, I, I look at movement for me as my medicine. So if I were on antidepressants, I wouldn't just stop for a week because I don't feel like it, that you're going to have really bad, um, withdrawal problems from that, you know, and not feel good. So I, I really look at it as I'm going to go move my body because it makes me feel better. It's not just this like fictitious thing. I am releasing literal chemicals from my brain when I move my body that actually make me feel better, similar to a little pill, right? right. So I, it, to me, it's, it's discipline. It's not motivation. Even when you don't feel like it, well, then just come and do 20 minutes. You don't have to do a full hour. Come move for 20 minutes. I'll put all that. I'll put that session on my calendar. And at the end of 20 minutes, if you want to keep going, we'll keep going. And everyone always does. But even for me, when I'm going to move my body, if I don't feel like it, all right, I'm going to go do one set of one movement. That's it. And then if I really, if that's it and I come back inside, fine. But that never really happens. You just kind of keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think that's a great way to make movement a part of your 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 life, right? As opposed to if you're only ever going to do it when you feel motivated. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we probably don't want to do when we're not motivated, right? But if you, again, have discipline and just try to make it a regular part of how you live life, then I think it's easier mm-hmm. to maintain long term. And then I, I think, yeah, 100% what you said about like it's your medicine, and you're not mm-hmm. going to just go days without taking medication, right? And so why go days without moving your body, even if it's just right. dancing in your kitchen, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. Like movement can be anything. It could be shooting hoops for 10 minutes, you know? It right. can be riding your bike. It can be a dance party in your kitchen, like any form of movement. Um, I was talking about this with my husband the other day, but uh, it was just so exciting. <laughs> Caveat, Nairi just got married. Um, (laughs) So saying the word husband is really exciting right now. (laughs) Okay, sidetracked. So I was saying like turning movement into play and how Mm, when, right? Like it's like kids go out and they play and you don't look at that as exercise, but they're running around. They're they're like climbing things. They're basically doing like little mini Spartan races every day. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, how do you play? Like, maybe I'm going to go for a walk and skip around and then shoot some basketball hoops or go play tennis or whatever. And, um, yeah, I think just like kind of when you just let your, when you have like a love for your body and for 
just treating it well, moving it regularly, these, these things sort of become more playful, which I think is really necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, okay. So what are some of the barriers that you've personally had to overcome with your journey? Um, and then, or, and then what are some barriers that you see with your clients as well to kind of establish movement more and more in their, their daily lives? Mm-hmm. Um, barriers personally, I think are, um, kind of answering both questions at once for a second. A lot of the barriers we make up in our heads, um, anybody, anywhere can move. You don't need any equipment and you really don't need much time. And so I really feel like there are these barriers we create of, well, I have this project coming up and I'm super stressed and I need to be focused. Well, if you moved your body just a little bit, you probably would do a better job with whatever that project is. So I, I, I will hear often, I've got this really big whatever coming up with work or I'm traveling or et cetera, et cetera. And I'll say, okay, I know you're traveling, but you've also got these goals. So can you on this 10 day vacation, just pick two days to spend 30 minutes moving your body? It can be in your hotel room. It could be in your hotel gym. It could be going for a walk in the park, you know, and maybe you're sightseeing at the same time. Um, but it, it's it's a matter of just keeping a little bit of rhythm and consistency so that you don't fall off the edge and, and not return. Right. So but I, I do think a lot of the barriers are in our minds. Um, but I'll say this, like in the deepest parts of my grief, when things were super, super dark, um, I can see I was very stubborn and not wanting to explore medications. And I, I don't want to knock them. There are some people in which, for which, um, for whom, uh, antidepressants and anxiety medication are very helpful. And so there's always, um, there's always situations in which it's needed. And one thing I would say is like when things were really dark, I could see a medication being helpful for me to bridge the gap into being able to move. Cause sometimes when you are so deep and dark, you can't even get out of bed. It is, it's, it's physically almost impossible to even brush your teeth. And unfortunately, like, unless you've gone through it, it's kind of hard to understand that and to, to really know that. And so I can see medication being like, you know, um, almost like a bridge to being able to get out of bed and put on your workout clothes and go, you know, move your body for 15 minutes. So I think for me, a little bit of a barrier in the beginning part of that journey was just this like adamant stubbornness not to, but it was also sort of this um, experiment for me to be like, can I do this on my own? And I had other reasons for not wanting to go that route in terms of medication, but that was a little bit of a barrier for me because um, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, And then, yeah, for other people I hear, like, I just hear a lot of that stuff. Um, I've had a few people with, um, financial barriers, which is always, um, a possibility and valid. And for that, you know, I I've introduced a sliding scale to my program because I want to be able to accommodate anyone who needs it or anybody who wants it. And for me, it's, it's, it's really about like, this is my passion work. And I want to help people move their bodies. And even if it's for one month, and then I teach you the tools so that you can go and do it yourself. You don't necessarily need me, but I can help guide you um, in the beginning. 
So there's always barriers, whether they're real or ones that we just kind of, you know, land on in our heads and we like adamantly stand behind them, but everything can be solved. There's always a way. Yeah. And I love that because I think that is in line with more of your concept comprehensive approach to this because you're trying to break down those barriers while you're getting them to move their body and hopefully make it more of a routine in their life because you're asking them questions how are they feeling how does your body feel um which I feel like normally when you just go to workout class you're like okay I showed up and and now I'm moving (laughs) and that's the end of it you know um I think there's I feel like you're being a lot more intentional about the the bigger purpose of more like the holistic approach like your body is not separate from the grief or the anxiety or whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think your approach to working on both of them is just, is really beautiful. And I can, I, or I, you know, I've seen you through this process and you developing, um, as a personal trainer. And, um, I think it's just been really great for, for you personally to help all these women, but also I think it's what you've needed on your journey of grief, right. To to walk further into your purpose. So it's just beautiful Mm -hmm. and I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so great. I think too, like, because like Caitlin's mentioning, you take that holistic approach, the mind body connection is Mm -hmm. that needs to be talked about more. And so I love that you're doing this in in this platform and it's, I love how you start your, your sessions with, how are you feeling? Because then like you said, you can tailor the session. So if the person is just like, you know, like with me and my fitness journey, I've discovered I've got extreme adrenal fatigue. And so adding any extra stress on my body, because workout is technically stress on your body. It's a mm-hmm. good stress, but it's stress. And so some days I know it's like, I'm, I am like almost at the edge of my bucket of stress is overflowing. And so today it's a gentle walk and that's all I can handle, but it's great. Cause I moved and I normally feel a million times better. And then some days it's like, you know what? I can throw some heavy weight around. Let's do this. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you have to check in with yourself rather than if I were just going to some class at a gym, I would be there. I'd push through it, you know, and then I'd feel twice as bad afterwards because I'd be like, Oh, I've already signed up. I got to do this class. But I love how you take that approach of like, how are you feeling? And so today it might be gentle movement or one day the person's like, I'm ready. Let's do this. You're like, sweet. Let's step it up a notch. You know, so absolutely. It's such a great way to incorporate those two. And on the topic of barriers, too, I think um, I think with those people who are with me for mental well-being, a lot of times like I'll have a message where it's like, I don't feel well and I don't think I can come to you today. And I, I will always offer like, do you want me to come to you? And we'll just connect and go for a quick walk. And if the answer is no, it's no. But I think I've had a few situations in which the answer is yes. And sometimes that little walk is just enough and, and also a listening ear, or maybe we're walking, you know, in silence and it's 10 minutes that like getting out of your house and fresh air. And there's almost this like, well, now she's coming to me, so I have to, Yeah. but you see the person feel better at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's like you said, there's positive stressors and negative stressors and it doesn't matter. It's still a stressor. And sometimes right. it's just modifying and listening and being easy. Right. So right. Um, seeing what that person needs that day. It's really important. Yeah. And then society is deemed exercise. I'm going to use the word exercise here because in that more of a slightly negative connotation, it's like, well, you got to just five days a week, six days a week, you're in the gym, you're doing this, you're doing the program. And it's just like, it's not, you don't get results that way. I mean, you can, but you're killing yourself in so many ways, both Mm -hmm. physically and mentally. And that's why most people fall off the platform because it's just so exhausting in so many ways. But yeah, I love this entire approach of like, just move your body, move your body. 
whether that's five minutes, whether that's 45 minutes or whatever that looks like for you. And, and I love that you emphasize outdoors and because nature is healing and most people need more of it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's so healing. I love it. Yeah. It's so true. (laughs) Yeah. So if someone is struggling right now, Nairi, um, with their relationship with movement, what are Mm -hmm. some words of encouragement you can give them today? Um, it would really be like, let's get curious. What are you defining movement as? And why is that difficult for you? Why is it not resonating? Or why do you not want to do it? And then they might just not realize or know of other ways of moving their body. You know, I have people who like to use dumbbells or kettlebells. And on, from my perspective, there's a very different reason for using both. But for the client, they might just like the way something feels. And so sometimes it's just introducing a different apparatus or it's taking them out of what they're used to. Um, some people love working out at the park. Some people prefer to be in their driveway, you know, with a little bit more privacy. So I think it's just having that initial conversation to see what are they even considering movement as, and could I maybe shed a different light or, you know, I think it's just genuinely getting to know that person better and what they're thinking, Mm, you know, like sharing, sharing a different approach essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's so important Yeah, for sure. So moving into one of our favorite questions, um, we want to know what something gutsy what is something gutsy you have done recently why you did it and Mm -hmm. how did it make you feel (laughs) Uh, okay um I've thought about this question quite a bit you guys (laughs) (laughs) um it's a lot harder to answer than you would think yeah it Uh, is. so I would actually say that I was uh, recently on a local radio program um called the Dave Congleton show And that was the first time that I, well, some background, this is a local, they call it hometown radio. And a lot of people here listen to it. It's hometown. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so my dad was on it for years regularly as, as a guest, um, because he was, he was a political representative for the area. So he was on the show all the time. And I have memories as a little girl, you know, going with him and just sitting there quietly while they're on air. And so I've heard these voices and these hosts on the radio for like 20 plus years. And now my dad's gone and I was invited to be on the show. Um, not to watch, not to listen, but like me to talk. (laughs) And so that was, that was a big deal. And I remember the first time he asked me, I sort of was like, yeah, sure. And then we just never scheduled it. I had a whole plethora of reasons, Mm -hmm. but then the time came where I was confronted with it again. And I thought, I think I got to do this. And so being on a show that was like my dad's thing and now talking to an audience that listened to him for years and sharing this story of losing him and, and my fitness business and what I'm trying to do, um, and kind of talking about grief very specifically and in detail, like talking about not wanting to live anymore and saying that on such a public platform where you know, like you don't know who's listening. You're just talking to one person. Um, but to say that out loud was like, 
by far the gutsiest thing. That's something that like I hadn't talked about with my own family. And then now I'm just like, kind of like take the mic and tell the world. Um, but it was so freeing and it just, I, it made me feel normal to talk about it in a normal way, like to just mention it and say, you know, life got so hard and I did experience these things and these feelings and these thoughts. Um, and then it, it made me feel amazing. A, it made me feel amazing just to say it and to put it out there. It was like the Abigail, it's almost like an emotion, right? You're not holding on to that big rock anymore, like right. that secret. You just kind of like set it free. Um, but the second thing is like, I had such an outpouring of not only support, but all these people responding saying, I went through that too. Or, oh my gosh, when you said this, it's like the first time I've heard someone say it that way. And that's exactly what I was thinking. And I talked about pet loss, like people kind of skirt over the grief that comes with losing a pet. It's not just your father or your neighbor or whoever. Um, I mean, those are like deep emotions. And so I had so many people reach out just like relating to what I said and like feeling the sense of like um, community. That was that was incredible. And so when you asked me to do this, I was like, absolutely. Like I will. (laughs) And it's so much to do with your guys's MO of like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it and help other people. I love it. That is it is so gutsy (laughs) what you did. And I remember listening to the to the um, interview and just being so proud of you first off. And then, um, Mm. I literally had like all the emotions because, you know, as I mentioned, I was very close to your dad too. And I grew up with those same voice, hearing those same voices on, on the radio. Um, and so it's, it's just a beautiful reminder of the power of just talking to people about what's going on and not covering it up and not being afraid and, and walking into the vulnerability of it all and just being, gutsy and true to yourself and the power of like the ripple effect of what that has done for all those people who tuned in and listened. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like also just with everything with our podcast here, like I feel like I've grown in my own confidence of who I am and who owning my story and, you know, being braver and stronger. Um, and so it's just, it's so powerful, um, you know, sharing your story. And so I think that is truly gutsy what you did. And I just, thank you. (laughs) Likewise to you too. This is like the proof. (sighs) That's why we're here. Yeah. It's awesome. Just the world just needs to talk more. Yeah. Really. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. It's okay. Just talk. Exactly. (laughs) Just talk about it. Have a cup of coffee and, you know. Yeah. Just have a chat. (laughs) Yeah. So true. Okay. So outside of um, you being gutsy and awesome, what has been something fun that you've been doing to fill your bucket? Oh, goodness. Other than getting married. uh, That was like, that was like a whole bucket right there. Yeah, Yeah. a whole big bucket. (laughs) Real quick. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've, uh, this is another question I was thinking about quite a bit. And I think my conclusion is that I haven't been doing a great job of filling my bucket lately. Mm. Um, and so I have ideas of what I want to do to really tend to myself in that way. But like when I think about lately, what have I been doing? I actually don't think I've been really giving that the proper attention it needs. And so um, things that I definitely want to get into back into that fill my bucket are 
really like reading. (laughs) I used to read a lot and it's just the perfect downtime for me. And, um, just going on walks and going on jogs, like whenever I feel like it, you know, just outside of like my movement plan and, um, what I schedule for myself in the week, just kind of like that exploration. Like I used to go run on the back trails and, you know, take a different turn every time and just kind of see what's out there. Um, so that's how I would like to fill my bucket in the coming week. (laughs) I, I I just, I felt like I got to answer this honestly. And, um, yeah. And I, if anything, it's just a beautiful reminder from the both of you to do so. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, we appreciate your honesty and then we're going to hold you to it. We're going to call you in a week yeah. and see okay. what you did to fill your bucket <laughs> this in a week's time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's awesome. And I think, it, you know, you've had a huge transformation and start of a new season in your life. And I think that's a yeah. good reminder that, um, we go through different seasons of life and what we need and how we fill our bucket can change and be different that's and that's true. okay. And I think also, yeah, just having to check in with yourself of like, what have I done for myself? So yeah, thanks for your honesty yeah. with that. That's yeah. awesome. And and that, that does speak to transitions of life, like Abigail and Caitlin both mentioned, but I got married, I went on a honeymoon, I'm moving into a new home and it's, you know, what you do on the day to day to make yourself feel good, including a movement plan or training for a race or whatever it is like you do have to honor the seasons of your life because they will shape shift and kind of alter what you're used to doing. And I think just giving yourself grace in those moments and and maybe like just like looking back at myself in this exact moment, like maybe filling my bucket is like figuring out which drawer I want to put our silverware in, yeah. you know, and as you like build a home together, yeah, like, Hey, yeah. this plate or this plate. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> very, yeah. like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plate. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's, it's honoring those seasons. So I think that's important to, to consider too. Yes. Mm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I love it. Well, is there any other last little nuggets of advice you want to share with us? I feel like I've learned so much. I hope our listeners have as well. Uh, Nuggets of your advice. I think um, it's like really easy to be hard on yourself, but it's hard to give yourself grace. And so when it comes to movement, you know, it's not hitting a certain number of calories or it's not lifting so much weight. There is a time and place for that. Absolutely. But just be easy on yourself. Like if you're listening to this and you haven't moved your body in forever, you know, go and put on your favorite song and like intentionally dance to it for the whole three minutes or um, go for a walk in your neighborhood and, you know, try to hit a certain route or whatever it may be. So um, I think just start really small, listen to yourself, seek help, um, ask for help. That's always okay. And, um, I think that's it. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Just move, right? Just move. Just move. Yeah. Just move. <laughs> okay. So Nairi, tell us where we can find you, how we can follow yeah. along with all the amazing things that you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do we find you? Okay, so I am on Instagram at Move with Nairi, and I, I know I need to spell my name. <laughs> um, so Move with, and then Nairi is N Y R I, and all my information's there. If you want to follow along, um, I talk about my own journey. I talk about movement. I'm always posting things about what I hear and learn about nutrition and. Um, inspirational things. And then also, if you want to move your body, there's a way to contact me and we can do that together if you want. Um, Yeah. 
<laughs> and then you are going to do something really special for all of our Gutsy Truth podcast listeners. So can you share yes. what that's going to be? Absolutely. If you are listening to the Gutsy Truth, um, I am offering 20% off your first personal training session. So um, just Caitlin and Abigail will give you the information of how to get there. Yeah. But um, as a as a encouragement for listening and um, bettering yourself in that way alone, um, there's another way too. Awesome. Yep. That's and we'll, awesome. we'll link all that in the show notes so you can find her and follow along and be inspired and, um, and move. I love it. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you, Nairi, for being here. It's been so special yeah. to have, um, you meet Abigail and for you to be on the yes. podcast and, um, for you just to share your story. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is like, it's, it, it helps me just as much as anyone else to be able to talk about this. So thank you for providing that platform. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Gutsy Truth. We are so thankful to have you here with us, and we hope you enjoyed today's story. Until next time, we encourage you to follow along with us on Instagram at The Gutsy Truth. Or you can learn more on our website, thegutsytruth.com. And we would really appreciate if you left a review on today's episode on your podcast streaming platform of choice. Um, These reviews not only help our podcast be more well known to the world, but you can share this today's episode to a friend or family member or coworker who you think might need to hear um, an inspiring story for their journey. And until next time, that's the gutsy truth.